0: been going through a series uh, called Stay Rich and I want to continue with us uh, with that this morning. There's some questions we've been sending out to the life groups every week. So if you're in a life group and you've not been receiving the questions, they just help you discuss the question, uh, the messages we've been talking about. uh Make sure that we know. If your group hasn't been getting the questions, I uh, talk to one of our pastors. Would love to make sure you're in the mailing list and that we get you those questions. I uh, just so thought we're, we're going together. One of the things, the thoughts I had today, as I really thought about this message, and I thought, Lord, in a time like this, should I change what I was going to speak about and speak about something more pertinent to what the nation is going through? And I sense that the Lord said, What you're speaking about is pertinent. It is real. And so I thought, you know what, I'll obey the Lord and I'll stick to what I was planning to share. So I'm going to talk today about staying rich. And you're going to discover, even as I talk about it, that there are actually some very significant things that are relevant for us to reflect on even at a time such as this. So let's, let's, let's just continue. Let's just continue and walk through this. I'm going to ask you, walk with me. And let's continue and let's discover what God has to say to us this morning. Let me pray for us as we start. Father, I thank you for everyone here. I thank you because, Lord, we've come Hungry to hear from you. We want your encouragement. We want your word directly uh, spoken to us. And I'm praying, Lord, for every single person in Mavuno Church today. I'm praying that, Lord, even the events that have happened the last couple of, the the last day, uh, the last 24 hours, would not distract us from hearing your word. You have a specific word you have for every single one of us. And I ask, Lord, that every power that would keep us from hearing your word would be defeated right now in Jesus' name. I am speaking that, Lord, you would come. I'm inviting you now to come. Speak to every one of us, Lord, including myself. And Lord, in a time like this when we need answers, give us answers. Speak to us very specifically and glorify yourself in our lives. We invite you now, Lord, for it's in the name of Jesus we pray. And God's people say it. Amen. Now we're talking about money. And I know that many of you have made decisions about money. In fact, all of us in this place have made decisions about money. So let me ask a question. What is one decision that you made? A financial decision, a money decision. Some money you spent only to find that you deeply regretted spending that money later on. A little while later, you realize, oh my gosh, what was I doing? Okay, some of you are smiling kind of guiltily because... You can immediately relate to what I'm saying. Some of you are looking very righteous right now, like like <laughs> bad decisions. I always make good decisions. Uh, so, so just think about it. I'm sure you've, there's, there's like three of us who've never made a bad money decision, and those ones are all under 16. Uh, that's okay, uh, because they've not had life enough to make bad decisions. The rest of us, what is one bad decision that you've made when it comes to money? Come on, just turn to your neighbor and share with them right now. One decision you made that you regretted later on when it came to money. Introduce yourself to your neighbor. Uh, get to know them as well. And then say one bad decision that you regret that you made about money. Some of you are still in the middle of that decision, so there are tears as you share this. Some of you are at the place where you can now smile a long time afterwards. One decision you regret when it comes to money. Wow. I can see we all can relate to this. All of us have made a a decision that we regretted at one point or the other. (laughs) Some of you are sharing with your spouse right now and you're being very careful what you say. (laughs) Because what you say could be used and might be used against you later on. (laughs) Wow. Clearly you have a lot to share. So let me ask a question. How many of you... Because I asked this question earlier in the week and I got some very interesting answers. How many of you have made a bad decision... About that that you regretted, you paid for gym membership that you never used, or bought gym equipment. Let me just see quite a few of us. Show of hands. Oh my goodness, there's quite a lot of us. Uh, by the way, I was so surprised how many people wrote uh, the gym. I've, by the way, I've done that one as well. I've bought equipment that I thought I'd use. Uh, I've done that one. Uh, how many people? It was a business idea that you are so psyched about, and it just went down with all your money. Let me just see show of hands. Uh, oh my gosh, we need to have business prayers after this, like like serious uh, therapy here. How many people, okay, come on, now this one, you have to be really honest, Kenyans, uh, God is here, it's God's house, you can't lie. Pyramid scheme, let me just see, you put your money in a pyramid scheme. <laughs> oh my gosh, tell your neighbor, that was before I came to Mavuno anyway, uh, I didn't know better. All right, how many of you, you lent money to a friend and you're still waiting for that money even till today? Okay, put it down because your friend could be sitting behind you right now. <laughs> You know, there's one person who even wrote, like, you know, for me, it was, I have so many regrets when it comes to money, I can't even start listing them. And I think there was tears. By the way, it was so interesting watching you, because as you shared, some of you, it is so real right now, as you shared, I could see the animation and the pain <laughs> as you're sharing. And, then, and for some of you, you are, you're past the place of pain, and now you're sharing it with a lot of laughter. But as you think back, it wasn't funny at the time, was it? you know when you when you make bad financial decisions it actually hurts you now we've been talking about finance and for those of you who are going uh, who are joining us for the very first time we're going through a series called stay rich and the reason is because we've said that you can learn about how to get rich almost anywhere you go any bookshop you go has a book about how to stay how to get rich but nobody teaches you how to stay rich And this is why we've been looking at God's word and saying, what does God's word have to say to us about resources, about wealth, and how to manage wealth? And what we've discovered as we've been going along this series is that we're actually richer than we thought. Many of us actually came to this thing learning about how when I get rich, I will stay rich. But we've come to understand that actually right now, we actually have a lot more wealth than we actually considered. We didn't even think we were this wealthy. And so we've been looking at some instructions written in the New Testament by Paul. Paul, the person who actually wrote most of the New Testament. And he was writing to, specifically to rich people, to wealthy people. And so what we've realized is this word is for us. Tell your neighbor he's talking about you. Because you may never have thought of yourself as rich, but you've realized that you're far wealthier than you are. And Paul has very specific instructions. He says, instruct the rich, command the rich about these things. So far we've learned that as wealth increases our hope tends to migrate. And we say that there's a danger with that because our hope tends to move away from the provider to the provision, to something that is temporary, that cannot last. And we say that the beginning of staying rich is being able to make a declaration. And that declaration is this, that I will not put my hope in, okay, somebody needs to wake up this morning. I will not put my hope in riches, but in the one who richly provides this is what we said, and we said you must begin with this declaration this must be your mantra this must be the thing that you put in front of you and i want to encourage you by the way make this your screensaver put it on your fridge put on your computer put it somewhere where you'll see it because we need to make sure that this is something that we remember all the time i will not put my hope in riches but in the one who richly provides but then we realize that you cannot just declare it you must also get practical there are some things you must do to avoid hope migration and that's why we began to learn last week that the one way, the key way to avoid hope migration is to pre-decide to be rich in doing good deeds and in being generous. This is what Paul says to rich people. You must be rich above average in doing good deeds and in being generous. And this is what we learned. That it's not the amount I give away, but the percentage that counts. We, begin to, we began to realize that if we really want to be, uh, to be rich in doing goods, in doing good, and in being generous, that we must watch out. It's not just the amount we must be careful about. It's also the percentage that we give away. Now today we want to look, continue looking at these instructions for rich Christians. So turn with me back to that passage. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 to 19. And we want to read it together. Today we are going to learn not about ordinary investments, but next level investments. Tell your neighbor, next level. Next level investments. This is what we want to learn. And so I'm going to ask, uh, let, let me ask the media guys to put this scripture on, on the screen, even as you, some of you are turning it to each in your Bibles, but I want us to read it together. So let's read it. Command those who are rich in this present world, well, let's read it together. Not to be arrogant, not to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up a treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Father God, we come back to this word. And Father, I'm so amazed that this word has something relevant for us, even at a time like this. I pray that, Lord, as we hear it, that you would speak through it. And we invite you now to come in. We invite you again, Lord, to come in and to speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Command those who are rich in the present world. As you're reading the scripture, you must always keep your eyes open. Always pick out those unusual things. Always ask, why did they say what they said when they said it? The first thing you need to notice if you're reading this scripture and you're really being attentive, is he says, command those who are rich in this world present world and you must ask yourself what does he mean by in this present world why did he just say command those who are rich why didn't he just why is he talking about what other world is there the only rich people i know are rich in this present world what's paul talking about but you know as you ask that question then you go down to verse 29 and you see that it wasn't a coincidence that paul used those words because he says In this way, in other words, as they are rich in doing good and generously willing to share, in this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves in the coming age. You see, clearly Paul believes that there is much more to this life than what we see. Call it another dimension. Paul believes there is another dimension to life. This is what he calls the coming age. You know, he's talking about the fact that everything he has told us so far, all these instructions to the rich they're anchored in this coming age there's something you need to understand about this coming age so you can understand why it's so urgent for you to live the way he's asking you to you see this coming age is a, a different sphere a different place of operation it works very differently from the present world that we are part of in this coming age in, in this present world when you give something when you give away something that especially your wealth Then you end up with a deficiency. You end up with less than what you had. But Paul tells us that in this coming age, when you give away, you're actually investing. You're actually moving your investments to the next level. You're investing treasures for yourself in the coming age. This is why I told you that we're here to talk about next level investments. Now, Paul is talking about something that Jesus talked about often. That money... And wealth have something to do with eternity. How we use our wealth. I need to put this right now as a little disclaimer. Because somebody might misunderstand what I'm going to say after this. How we use our wealth doesn't determine where we go after this life. The only thing that determines where we go after this life is a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that determines what your future is after the future. In other words, after life is gone. Is another life this is what paul is saying the only thing that ever determines where you go is your relationship with christ but how we use our money determines the quality of life in the life to come this is one of those hidden truths in the scripture that many people often don't see or don't understand if you read first corinthians chapter 3 verse 10 to 15 It's a very cryptic passage. I'm going to ask you to just read it uh, uh, by yourself after this. It's a very interesting passage. It talks about how all of us build with our works. Uh, All all who know Christ, they build with their works their future. And it talks about the fact that when you get to heaven, there's there's going to be an evaluation. How many people like reviews and annual reviews and evaluations? You love them. All the HR managers in the house are the only ones putting up their hands, isn't it? And the CEOs. I mean, it's like uh, we don't like reviews, but there's actually a final review when we get to the end of our lives. And after that review, basically what happens is all the works that you've done on this world that are not relevant to where you're going are burnt off. And only the things that are relevant go cross with you into the next realm. It's a very interesting scripture. I don't know if you've ever read it. I want to challenge you to go and read it by yourself. And what it says is some people will enter heaven smelling of smoke. That's what the scripture says. I mean, everything's burnt off and it's like everything's gone. (laughs) In fact, you'll be like... Everything will be burnt off, but you will still be there. Because your de- your decision, uh, your de- your, your destination was already determined. It's what you are going to get there with that was not determined. We'll talk more about this because I know for some of you, this is the first time that you're hearing about this. Now, Paul tells Timothy, tell those rich people that wealth creates eternal opportunity. This is what Paul has really been saying to us all this time. Wealth is actually, it creates for you eternal opportunities. And he's saying, use your extra opportunity you have to richly do good and to be generous. And that way you are investing in the life to come. This is what he's saying. Now, this is kind of mind-boggling. Because, you know, for us who are in this world, in this present world, we get caught up and hung up with this present world. With all we see. We begin to think that all we see is all there is. The toys and the trinkets, the rat race. The, the hustle to survive. We begin to think that all our eyes see is all there is. And this is especially true as we get wealthier. I don't know if this ever happened to you, but you know, the more people get wealthy, the more they become material. The more their world becomes constricted, your world actually becomes smaller. And you begin to see the things that are there as if they're the only things that exist. I'll give you an example. When we were young, uh, my parents uh, came from a place uh, up up the slopes of Mount Kenya, that 's where our shags is, uh, for, our, for those who are not from this wonderful country, uh, shags is a beautiful word that describes that, that is in every language of Kenya, we have the one word for shags. It just means the place where your parents came from and where you consider your ancestral home. So uh, my, my shags uh, was for some of you, your shags is really far. Mine is actually not very far from here. Uh, but in those days, because there was no good road, it was very far. And to compound it, we had a little Volkswagen Beetle, my dad's uh, first car. And it was, I mean, this car, it went on, uh, on, 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 on prayer and cello and, and, and tape. I mean, it was just like, it was, I mean, God bless it. I mean, it was, it was all we had. And, but I remember when we'd go to Shags, I mean, this journey that, I mean, we'd get in, we'd wake up early in the morning, the whole family. And we'd come around the car and lay hands on it. And I'm telling you, because we never knew whether we'd make that journey, we'd lay hands on it, and my parents were Christians, and they would lead us in prayer, and all of us would be saying, Amen, Amen. Because it's like, we want to get there in one piece, you know. And then we'd get into that little car, and as we we're going, you know, it's like, you know, the car, like, you, you, you know those cars, you press the, 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 everything was manual. You press something, and the little indicator comes out and starts flicking. I mean, it was, it was quite a feat. And there were some hills on that road uh, to, to where I'm from, uh, where you would be going up the hill, And you could even feel, I can come out of this car and just walk alongside. In fact, I'll reach up before the car reaches. Um, Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. We prayed! But you know, it's amazing now. There's a highway. And we don't have the car that we used to have. Now we have nicer cars. And it's so easy for us to just get into the car and go. You know, it takes two hours. It takes just a couple of hours we're there. Nobody prays. In fact, sometimes we're like halfway there. Then somebody like, one of the kids is like, by the way, we didn't pray. And we remember that it's time to pray. Isn't that what happens as you get wealthier? It's like, you're, you're telling God, it's like, I got this now. <laughs> this part I've got now. You know, I've, I got this. I don't need to ask you for this one. I can handle it by myself. The wealthier we get, the more we begin to believe that all we see is all there is. But Paul says, and Jesus always, connect, that, that money <laughs> is connected to eternity. There is a connection to eternity. And Jesus one day told a story. It's an amazing story. Because it was about money and eternity. And he was talking to two brothers. Actually, this guy, what happened is they were having an argument about money. And one of them felt his brother was, was, was conning him. Because there was an inheritance for them to divide. And you know what happens when inheritance says come, isn't it? Even in this country, we've seen a lot of people fighting over an inheritance. People who were friends before, fighting over an inheritance. And they were fighting, and the younger brother decided, I'm going to tell Jesus. I'm going to tell on you to Jesus. And it's like, Jesus, you're going to have to arbitrate between us. But Jesus being Jesus, he didn't answer with a straight answer. Jesus told a story. And it was an amazing little story. It was a story that is very relevant for rich people. Tell your neighbor, that's you he's talking about. So, so listen carefully because this story is completely relevant for people like yourself. It's in Luke chapters 12, 12, verse 16 to 21. And as you turn there, allow me to introduce you to my friend. He's a friend who's going to help us understand this scripture a little better. And his name is Chief Good Fortune Chinadu Okonkwo. Please put your hands together for my good friend here as he comes up. So he's kind of going to stand there next to the money and just like illustrate this story for us as we read it. So so Jesus is telling the story, okay? And let me get out of the way so you can see this guy well. Uh, so, So Jesus is telling the story. And... <laughs> He told them this story. This is what the Bible says. He told them this story. The farm of a certain rich man produced a terrific crop. In other words, this brother is already loaded. But now he just got more loaded, isn't it? He's richer than he was. His business is even doing better. His net worth has shot up. He got so rich, he started talking to himself. Have you ever been so rich, you start talking to yourself? I mean, the guy was so rich... He said talking to himself hey. and this is what he said. Eh 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 what can i do I say what can i do oh My barn is big enough inna- is not isn't big enough for this harvest. <coughs> Here is what i'll do. I go tear down my granary and build many bigger ones. I shall build many bigger ones. Then I'll gather in all my fufu and jollof rice. And I'll say to myself, I said, I'll say to myself, Self, you ne done so well. I say, Self, you need done so well. You know, they make it all and now can no retire. Take it easy and have the time of your life. <laughs> what are you feeling right now? By the way, let me ask you a question. How do you feel when a friend of yours who's already much richer than yourselves get, gets even richer? I know how you're feeling. You're feeling jealous right now, isn't it? In fact, say, say with me that's, that's an African sound across every African culture. It says the same thing. It's like you're disgusted at this guy. How rich is he? But even as you're disgusted, you're also admiring him, isn't it? Because the guy has invested well. His bank accounts are full. He's an example for your children. He's such an awesome guy. He's done so well. One day you'd like to be like him, isn't it? So right now, let's appreciate my friend Chinedo. Come on, put your hands together for my friend. Good fortune. He's done really well. So in that place, you're very similar to the crowd that Jesus was speaking to because they were listening to this guy. And in those days, they believed if you're doing that well, God must have blessed you. So the words came, that came next were a shock. This is what Jesus said about the rich man. Just then, God showed up and said, "Fool!" Say it with me. Come on, let's shout it to him. Fool! No, no, no hold on a minute. Why did you just call him a fool? <laughs> I thought we agreed that he's your example for your children. I mean, he's 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 a great model of financial prudence. Why did you call him a fool? In other words, in fact, the better question to ask is, why would God call him a fool? Listen to what the Bible says. This guy, he's an amazing guy. <laughs> The Bible says to him, God says to him, Tonight, you die. And you're full of goods. Who gets it? Put your hands together for my friend. <laughs> Chief good fortune. <laughs> well, I thought that might wake you up. Uh, just in case you're tempted to sleep. But, but, you know, you need to ask yourself the question. What, what was Jesus saying? Why was he rebuking this person? What was wrong with him? This man had built a great business that had flourished. Is it a sin to build a great uh, business that is flourishing? Yes or no? No, it's not. In fact, my prayer for you is that many of you will build great businesses that will flourish. In Jesus' name. This is my prayer for you. This man had taken the wealth he had and had saved it and put it together to plan for his retirement. Is it a sin to plan your savings for your retirement? Yes or no? No, it's not a sin. In fact, my prayer for you is that every single one of you right now has a plan and is preparing and is saving towards your retirement. There's nothing wrong with that. There's only one thing that our friend did not understand. And this is a problem. This is why Jesus rebuked him. There's something that God knew that he didn't know. And it is this, that this was his day to die. This was his day to die. And all his plans could not help him where he was going. This is why Jesus called him and this is why God called him a fool. Because he lived as if what he saw was all there was to reality. You see, our good friend, the rich man, he made an assumption. And this is the assumption he made. That everything that was placed in his hands was for his consumption. If it's mine, if it's been given to me, it must be for me. This is a deadly assumption he made. But God says to him, you fool. You've lived under the assumption that because it's in your hand, it's for your consumption. And now, and now it's clear that you've wasted your future because you have no future. You've wasted your opportunity. You've missed out on your opportunity. You know, it's a very interesting thing that we must understand. This is something that the scripture really emphasizes a lot. That wealth presents eternal opportunity. But here's the thing I want you to notice from this passage. And you're going to understand why this is so relevant. This is what this passage is about. And I want you to remember this. If you forget everything else I teach you today, this is one thing I want you to remember. You don't get credit for what you leave You only get credit for what you give. Now, this is so important that I'm going to teach you some actions. I do this with my children because I don't want them to forget the scripture story I'm teaching them. So I'm going to help you remember this. You don't get credit for what you leave. That's the action that you're all supposed to be doing at this point, right? You don't get credit for what you leave. You only get credit for what you give, all right? Can we say it together? You don't get credit for what you leave. You only get credit for what you give. Now, I'm going to be watching you to make sure you're awake. And at any point when you hear me say you don't get credit, just get your hand ready, all right? Uh, you don't get credit for what you... All right, somebody's awake. You only get credit for what you give. This is what I want us to remember. and I'm going to explain exactly what I mean uh, by what I've just said. You see, the thing is, you can't get credit for what you leave because everybody on earth leaves exactly the same thing behind. Everybody leaves the same amount behind when they die, which is everything. That's true. I know you never thought about that. A hundred percent, you're going to leave it all behind. So you can't get credit in heaven for what you've left behind. There's no credit for that. But Jesus summarizes it by saying this. (laughs) This is what happens. when you. In fact, he says it in verse 21. That's what happens. In other words, you miss the opportunity to do something with your life or with what you have, before your time runs out, when you fill your barn with self and not with God. Or as one other version puts it, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. This is what this man was. He stored up things for himself, but he wasn't rich towards God. Now let me say this just by by way of of a caveat again. This is not an anti-savings text. This is not telling us, that you should not have savings or do well. I know there's some of you who have been so happy that you're like, oh my goodness, I'm so glad I don't have savings because he's talking to rich people right now. That's not what this is about. It's not telling you that. There's something very different that it's saying. God isn't saying you shouldn't have savings or you shouldn't build wealth. In fact, I think every one of us should do those things. But Jesus is saying, if all you're doing is building wealth, if all you're doing is consuming wealth and saving for yourself, then you're going to miss a huge opportunity. You're going to miss a huge opportunity because you're making a deadly assumption that if it's in your hands, then it's there for your consumption, which is not true. Because remember, you don't get credit for what you... Okay, come on, the guys of the back are asleep right now. All the guys in the front got it. You don't get credit for what you leave. You only get credit for what you give. You need to remember that. Don't, lo- don't lose that fact as we go along. And I suspect, by the way, that this is why Jesus spoke about money so much. Because he realized... That money has a hold, can have a hold on our hearts. In fact, here's something Jesus realized. That the chief competitor for your heart against God is not the devil, but money. And some of you right now, I know you're getting confused by that one because it's like, no, no, no. But let me explain what I mean. Many of you have friends. In fact, (laughs) let me start with this one. I suspect very few, if probably none of you have friends who lost their love for God and backslid from their Christian faith because they decided to become the high priestess in a devil-worship cult. Yeah, I can see. Very few of you. But I think that almost everybody here knows somebody who lost their faith and lost their love for God when they became wealthy. Isn't it? Jesus knew there's something that begins to happen to us as we become wealthy, as money begins to take hold of our heart. And here's what he said in Matthew six chapter uh, twenty, Matthew six verse twenty. He said, "Store up treasure in heaven, that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also." Jesus is wise. He's saying, "Where your treasure is, your heart is." And the only way not to serve wealth is to serve God and others with that wealth, because as you serve without wealth then what happens is your heart accompanies that wealth. If I'm serving God with my wealth, my heart will be with God. If I'm serving others with my wealth, my heart will be with others. If I'm serving myself, I'm entrapped by my wealth. This is what Jesus is saying. Where your heart is, your treasure will be also. You know, one thing this story reminds us is that the right use of wealth is to prepare for eternity. This last week, we had an interesting uh, discussion in our life group. And different members were contributing about what they've been learning through this uh, series. And I remember one guy, I mean, and, and, and quite a few of the members in my life group are very involved in serving and giving. And so I was surprised by the things that people were saying. One guy who's very involved, I mean, he really, really serves in big places. But he said, you know what? I have come to be convinced that I've been even waiting for God to give me money to do bigger things. And yet there are so many small things that are missing out behind me. He said, back in my shags, there, there's a school. And I went through that school when I was younger. And he said, there are so many young boys there who are drug addicted, who have no hope, who don't think they'll ever leave the village like I did. And he said, if I just went there and shared my story every time, I could encourage that place and change my neighborhood. He said, I could actually change my whole village. And he said, I'm just beginning to realize I actually have more than I thought I did. Even the ideas God has given me are wealth. Another lady who's in our group said, you know, I'm a teacher. And I, uh, I'm in a system where we're trained and we have such good, high-quality standards. She said, in my shags, the place I come from, my goodness, the the schools are in a mess. There's no money to train teachers. And she said, if I could just be holding a seminar every so often for the teachers in my school, in in, in my village, my goodness, my village could actually become an exemplar of teaching in my whole county. All of a sudden, she began to realize how much wealth she has. And one conclusion we reached as a group is... (laughs) The people who made a difference in this world, they didn't wait for the day it was convenient or they had wealth. They began with the little they had in their hands. And we began to really have this conversation that was a wonderful conversation. As we began to realize the opportunity that God has put in each of our hands. To serve and bless others even when it's not convenient. So I want to challenge you and to ask you as you're listening to this series. Because I know many of you, Mavunites, you're great at taking notes. You've been tweeting this sermon. You've been enjoying it. But I want to challenge you. What is one thing you can begin to do differently even now to be a blessing to your fellow Kenyans, to the people in your family, to the people in your shags? What has God put in your hands even now that you can be a blessing with, that you can be rich with? This is one of the things that we began to discuss. See, the only way to be rich towards God, the only way not to fall into that deadly assumption that if it's in my hands, it's there for my consumption, the only way to keep that trap from happening in your life where you get a pay raise and all of a sudden your, your life, grade, your life uh, uh, upgrades and you get the next car and you get the next house, the only way to keep out from that is to have a plan, a concrete plan. Now, I believe that many of you have a, a savings plan. Wow, if you've been coming to Mavuno for a while, you need to have a savings plan. Please don't disappoint me. You have a savings plan. Look like you know what I'm talking about. You know, I'd be so disappointed. You have a savings plan, Right? Yes, you do. Okay, those of you who don't, it's because you haven't been coming here long. You, you, you will. You'll have one. It's a good thing for you to have. And every single one of us has a, a, a spending plan. In fact, I don't even want to call it a, a plan. You have a spending habit, isn't it? Every single one of us knows how to use money. Amen? Oh, yeah. Some of us know how to use it only too well. But all of us have a spending plan. The one thing that I want to challenge you to have is a giving plan. You must have a giving plan. Because if you don't, you will give like most Kenyans. You will be a 3S giver and what's a 3s giver a 3s giver is a person who gives spontaneously sporadically and sparingly let me talk about those because we talked about them last week spontaneously means you see a street child and all of a sudden you feel guilty and you're reaching into your pocket or you go somewhere and people are hurting or you go to a children's home and there's so much emotion and you do it but it's not something that you do with any pl- it's, it's something you do spontaneously. There's a tragedy like now, and you go and give, and that's a wonderful thing to give spontaneously. But you know what? That's not enough. There must be more. Sporadically means not regularly, but whenever you remember, or when it's convenient. And then sparingly means you feel generous because you forked out a thousand shillings here, you helped somebody with ten thousand here. But in the, net, in the light of what you earn, in the light of what you're worth and what God has blessed you with, it's such a small amount. That it makes no difference. You will be a 3S giver and miss an opportunity to be rich towards God. Now, I want to challenge you. I'm going to be a Pentecostal preacher today and challenge you to be a 3P giver. And I want you to guess what those 3Ps are. Because you're smart people, aren't you? So, number one, come on, shout it out. Purposeful? Uh huh. Very good, huh. Somebody else? What? That, that sounded wise? Uh huh. What was it? perceptive oh wow you guys are so amazing huh persistent uh-huh. uh-huh somebody else passionate oh i love that one passionate uh-huh are you wondering how the guys over here are so smart it's like wow these guys their minds are waking up huh somebody else per- percentage all right you're really smart okay let me let me tell him let's see how many of these got this right he is he's is smart by the way he's smarter than you think all right three different words priority priority it means when you give money, when you get money, you always give some away before you spend. It's the first thing I do. I don't want to give my leftovers. It means whenever my salary checks in, there's something that goes out, and I always give as a priority. The second one is percentage. Aha, told you he's smarter than you think. Come on, somebody shake his hand. Yeah, well done. Good job. And so what is percentage? It means you've predecided how much you're going to give away, and you don't discover when you're faced with a need what you'll give. You don't just reach into your pockets and think, oh my goodness, people are suffering, what do I do? But it's like, I already have a budget for that. And I give it all the time. So when the need comes, I'm ready for it. A percentage giver. And then thirdly, the third P is progressive. And progressive is kind of what we've been talking about uh, this whole month. Because progressive, you know, it's, let me give an example there. There's some of you, when you even think about giving that 10%, the tithe, it is painful. Not even giving, the thought of giving, isn't it? It's painful because it hurts because you don't have much. So to give that 10% is, whoa, it's so much pain. Nobody's feeling me in this congregation because you guys are all loaded. Huh? Anybody feeling me on that one? It's like, yeah, for me, I mean, I, I, know, I know I don't want to do this, but it's painful. But there's some of us who are in this place who giving 10% is not sacrificial at all. It's not even generous. You don't even feel it. Look at your neighbor. Do they look like someone who doesn't even feel it? It's like, yeah, I know. They're Ebola. They don't look like they feel it. You don't even feel it. And here's what we're learning. is As you grow wealthier, be a progressive giver. Determined to grow in your giving. 10% is a basic. It's, 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 like, it's like nursery school. It's like the beginning. Uh, you don't stay in nursery school all your life. Determine. To be a progressive giver, one of my one of the people I really admire. His his name is uh, uh, Rick Warren. He's a pastor in, in the U.S. and I mean, amazing guy. I mean, many of you have heard of him. He wrote this great book called uh, Purpose Driven Life. You've heard of that book, haven't you? And I mean, this this book became a uh, like international bestseller, New York Times, the whole thing. Uh, the guy made so much money from that book. You know, the first thing he did when he when he when his book began to make money. You know, the first thing he did, he decided. To pay back. He had been working as a senior pastor for 25 years. He, pay, he calculated how much the church had paid him for 25 years. And he paid back the whole amount. Phua. He just said, here's the money. The church has paid me. I want to be a volunteer in church. And right now he doesn't receive a salary from his church. He just works for fun. He works because it's his calling. And then after that, even it gets better. He decided that because God had blessed him so much, he was going to live on 10% of his income from, the, from that time on and give away the rest of the, 19, of the 90%. Isn't that amazing? It's like, wow. When I grow up, isn't that an amazing thing? I was like, imagine you're living on 10% and it's enough. Because God has taught you. But let me tell you this. It doesn't start when you get the big contract, when you write the big book. So some of you are thinking, the day when I write my big book and it's in New York, it doesn't start that way. You've got to start now. Taking progressive steps. Aiming for that. And this is, by the way, that's my ambition in life. I want to be a reverse tither. I want to be able to stay on, live on 10% and give 90%. I'm working on that right now. Next week, I'll be sharing some of my story with you. So I'll tell you how, how far we've gone on that one. But I, I tell you, it's a joyful thing to realize, oh my goodness, I can give a lot more than I ever imagined possible. Now, we must use our wealth as an opportunity to impact eternity. There's this great story that was told by Sigmund Freud. He's, he's like the father of modern psychoanalysis. He, he was a neurologist, a very smart guy, uh, very famous. And he told this story, a very delightful little story. And he told this story about a, 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 a sailor, that, that a, a guy who found himself uh, shipwrecked and marooned on, a, on, on an island. So this guy on the South Sea Islands, he found himself there. And then all of a sudden, the natives came out of the trees. You know how it is when the stories are told from certain places? Everybody else is a native. Look at your neighbor, Do they look like a native here. Yeah. So the natives come out of the trees, and the natives uh, uh, come out and they're dancing, and they've got a drum, they're playing the drum. Uh, this is a story that Sigmund Freud told, anyway. So, so uh, I don't know why natives always have to play a drum. But anyway, the natives are playing a drum, and they pick the guy up on their shoulders, and they go dancing to their village. And I mean, the guy is scared out of his wits, he's so petrified. He's like, I'm sure I'm dinner for tonight for these guys. That's why they're so excited. And as he's going there, all the kids in the village, as they're they're reaching and touching him, the women are touching him. Everybody wants to touch him. And he's like, oh my gosh, I'm about to be eaten alive. He's praying his last prayers. And then when they get to the village, they put him on a throne. And to his surprise, they put a crown on his head. And everybody bowed to him. And he realized he was the king with absolute power. And from that point on, they waited on him. They looked after him. His word was law, and everybody looked after him. It was so amazing. And for the first few days, he was in heaven. And then he got suspicious. He was kind of like a suspicious kind of guy. And he was like, No, no, this is too good to be true. So he started doing his discreet inquiries to understand why you guys look after me like this. And then he found out that this island had a tradition. It was something in their religious and social uh, background that every year they would have. A man who would become the king for a year. And that was him. And then at the end of the year, here's what they would do. They would take this guy, because now he had been looked after. They would row him across uh, the sea to a little deserted island. And they would leave him there. Sort of like a sacrifice. And they'd come back. And the man would die of starvation on the island. There were little skeletons in the island where others had died. So you can imagine when he got this news, it wasn't very good news. He was not very happy. But being a very resourceful and smart fellow, this sailor decided because he was king and he had opportunity, he would do something with his opportunity. So he called, he snapped his fingers and some big guys came and he said, call me the carpenters. And the carpenters came and he said, make me some boats. And they made him some good boats, very strong boats. And then he said call me all the guys who are good builders. And they called them and they put material on the board and they went on, on board the, the, the boats and they rowed across to where the island was. And they built some wonderful houses. He said, build me some very... And he, he gave them plans. I want a house that has a couch. I want a jacuzzi. I, want, I mean, he made the house beautiful for himself. And then he said, now send farmers. And the farmers went and they planted all kinds of beautiful plants. So those, are, those going to, that place would always have food. And then now he said, he looked for the most beautiful woman in the village and says, that one, take her there, uh, to be looking after the house. And he got a few guys and said, these ones, I want them to be servants, take them there. And they were waiting. And then at the end of the year, he told them, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready for my fate. And they rode him across the boat and they put him in the desert island where he lived happily ever after. <laughs> Isn't that a smart story, a smart guy? So, <laughs> so, you know, I read this story and I thought, my goodness, what a smart sailor. He sent it ahead of him. Do you realize that's what this scripture is telling us right now? Send it ahead. Send it ahead. Then you have no fear when your time comes. Send it ahead. Paul is saying, in this way, in other words, by being above average, in generosity, and in doing good, in this way, we lay up treasures for ourselves as a firm foundation for the age to come. That guy had a smart foundation, a farm foundation. And Paul is saying, make sure you have a farm foundation. Take it with you because it's the only thing you can take with you. Be like the wise sailor who thought ahead and planned for the future. So I want you to imagine with me as I conclude. Just imagine with me this, this, this imaginary scenario that one of our pastors shared with me. I thought it was just an interesting scenario. Imagine with me a young couple. They come to Mavuno Church. I mean, they're doing really, really well financially. God is blessing them and all kinds of things are happening. They're good with their, their resources. They had a bits when they came to this church, but somehow God blessed them and they bought a premium and then after that they had an outback and then the husband got a BMW and the wife got, uh, uh, what did the wife get? Uh, Touareg, yes, and they have beautiful, beautiful cars, and their twin cars parked outside the garage. They're they're proud of their cars, and then one day uh, they they are going to take a friend to a fundraiser up country. Who comes and picks them in his car? They leave their cars at home, and they go up country and they do the fundraiser. They come back on their way back, they die. An accident. <laughs> so the pastor has a funeral for them, and at the funeral, because the, we want something to remind us of them, something that was useful, something they lived for. The pastor says, Call, what, "What's the most important thing this guy's lived for?" And as he talks, hears the story, he says, "Bring the cars." And at the gravesite, they park the two cars as a symbol of the kind of life that this couple lived, and they bury them. How many of you, of you are feeling that couple right now, loving them and their life? Nobody. Okay, let's rewind the story then. Let me let me try and help you here. We, 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 we. Imagine this young, wonderful couple, Mavuno Church. They came to this church with a wits. And I mean, they loved God and God blessed them. And as they were here, they began to prosper and do well. And they decided, you know what we're going to do with our money? Instead of upgrading our lifestyle, we're going to find some children to support. So they found a children's home and they began to support those children through high school. And those children did well. And some of them went to college. One of them became a doctor. Another one was a lawyer. Another one was an engineer. And there were different people, different entrepreneurs. And they were doing well. And the kids were so amazed by the love that this couple had, that in fact, all of them gave their lives to Jesus. They said, my goodness, if that's faith, I want that thing. And the kids were so passionate about helping others as well. And then this poor couple, somebody invites them to go for fundraising. And they go up country to Shags. And they have their fundraiser. And then on the way back, there's an accident and they die. So poor Pastor Moravi comes and he calls them. Uh, the family members and they're about to have the funeral and there's a grave that is on the ground and then he says hold on we need something that reminds us of what this couple lived for what can we get and as he listens to the story he says call the children and 30 children line up the grave and each of those children begin to talk about how their lives have been changed How they are followers of Jesus. How they are influencers of society. How Africa will never be the same because of them. Oh my goodness, their lives are so beautiful. Because this couple invested in them. Are you feeling this couple now? Oh yes. This is a kind of life that lives out beyond your life. This is what we are being challenged to live, God's people. God is saying to us, be rich in doing good. In being generous. That way, you are laying up a firm foundation. Laying up treasure for yourself in the world that is yet to come. I want to pray for us. I want to pray for us. Next week, we're going to be concluding this series. But I'm glad today we're talking about money and eternity. Because you see, every single one of us has been called to this place where we live in the light of eternity. Next week, by the way, before I conclude, there's something very important I'm going to say. Next week, I want us to do a couple of things. Two things I want us to do next week. By the way, I still have 15 minutes of my sermon, so don't walk out. You know, some people see Pastor M saying, well, they hear the music and it's like, it must be time. I still have 15 minutes. I, fi- I ended early so you could stay and hear what I have to say. All right? So stay there. Tell your neighbors, stay put. All right, so here's what I want to say to you. Next week, I have a couple of ideas. Number one, I want you to send me any questions you have about money and about the things we've been talking about this last week. We're going to just spend some time doing some Q&A as I share my story. So we're going to do that. But the other thing I want us to do. We've already talked about the fact that most of us have more clothes than we know what to do with, isn't it? Uh-huh. So here's what I want you to do. Next week, bring some of those clothes. Because there are people in this congregation who are looking for jobs and they need to find interviews. And they have nothing good to wear. Not, at least not as nice as what you have. And what we're going to do is we're going to take your nice shoes. Those 20 pairs. Please, just, in fact, leave yourself with six. Those are enough. Or, or seven. One for each day of the week, all right? Bring them to church. And we're going to pass them on to young people and to people who are trying to make a break. By the way, we have a lot of people who come to this church who used to be in prison and they got to do Mizizi because of freedom behind bars and now are members of this church and they're looking for jobs. We want to be a blessing even to that ministry. So next week, could you bring something that... Don't bring something that needs to be, to be mended, something you don't like anymore. Bring something that you actually like, that you think will be a blessing to somebody. Can I challenge you to do that? You think you remember to do that? Can you put a note in your Bible, in your, in your thing, that thing that I call a Bible, your phone? Uh, to the modern day Bible, just put a, put a note in it and bring something next week and let's be a blessing to our brothers and sisters. Can we do that, Mavuno? Absolutely, it's just a beginning, it's, it's a symbol of the kind of life that we must live a generous life. So, I want us to, ch- I want to challenge us to do that, and I think as we do that, God is going to show us even how to begin to, to engage. So, questions, put them on our Facebook page, put them on our blog, and we'll be answering some of them next week. I want to pray for us. There's somebody here who's so convicted because you've realized. That the way you've lived your life is every time God has given you more wealth, your consumption has gone up. You've just increased your lifestyle, bought better clothes, bought nicer things, bought nicer phone. But today God is convicting you and you're, you're, you're so broken because of what God has said to you. You've realized you've not sent anything in front of you. You've been like the foolish, uh, f- the, the, the foolish rich man. You've not been like the wise sailor. And today God is speaking to you and he's saying, I want to give you a second chance. There's somebody here who God is going to give a second chance. And because of you, many are going to be blessed in this nation. And I want to pray for you as you come before the Lord in confession and say, God, forgive me for the way I've misused your resources. Come on, just stand up if you're here, if this is you. God has been speaking to you. I know God is speaking to many, many people in this church. Stand up where you are. Come on, let's appreciate them as they begin to stand up to their feet. To God be the glory. Everywhere across the room, men and women are rising up. God is speaking to them. And they realize that they've lived up. They've only consumed what God has given them. They've not left a legacy. Right now, if you were to go, you'd only have fear. By the way, here's the thing I've come to, le- to learn. Live in such a way that when your time comes to go, all you have to do is to go. Live in such a way that if this was your last day, you have no fear. Let me tell you this, people. There are many people who are afraid out there today because they're wondering where will Al-Shabaab st- strike next. Here's what I want to say. I am not afraid. If I die tomorrow, I'm done. I've lived my life well. I have no regrets. I'll feel sorry for my children and my kids and, and my wife because they'll moan me. That I, I, I would regret. But you know what? For me to live is Christ. To die ha, is promotion. I want you to all live like that. This is how we must live. So we'll always look fear straight in the face and say nothing can harm me because I'm safe in the rock that is higher than me. Amen. Come on, anybody else who's there. You know this is not how you've lived your life. God has been speaking to you. Come on, just stand where you are. I can see you right there. Stand where you are. To God be the glory. Come on, let's appreciate them. Encourage them as they stand right now. I bless the Lord for every one of you. I'm going to ask you to put out your hands in surrender right now and say, God, forgive me. Forgive me for where I've lived. From today, Lord, I want to make a difference. I want to live for something greater than myself. I want to send it ahead. I want to be a person who's faithful. I want to be a person who doesn't live in fear, caught up by the material things around me. But I want to be a person who lives for the things that ultimately count. I bless the Lord for every prayer that is going up right now. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Father, I thank you because you hear every prayer that is prayed. You receive every confession that is given. And Lord Jesus, we know right now that we're in mourning as a nation. And that Lord, there's much fear that is going around in this nation. But I thank you because Lord, you're bringing us to that place where fear becomes defeated in our lives. And we begin to live in the light of ultimate reality where we recognize that death has no threat to us because we even look forward to the next step because we've prepared for it. I pray for these, Lord, that, Lord, even as that confession comes to you, that, Lord, you would cause them to be faithful with what they have. As, Lord, they've made that confession, help them to go back into their lives, to begin to think how they can do things differently. Give them friends who will be mentors and encouragers to them. We thank you, Lord. We thank you because some of them are in debt right now. But Lord, they will find freedom from that debt in Jesus' name. And they will live to glorify you. We thank you because some of them have never been mentors to others when it comes to things financial. But from today, you're doing something so beautiful, Lord. And Lord, at the end of this time, people will look up to them and say, teach me how to be a good steward of God's resources. Rich in doing good, in being generous. I bless you, Lord, and I thank you. For we ask this in Jesus' name. All God's people say it. Amen. Come on, let's appreciate them one more time. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. I'm going to send us out in a minute. But I notice I still have 10 minutes. So I can pray for one other group, isn't it? And I want to pray for somebody who's been coming to Mavuno Church. You've been listening through this series. You've never actually given your life to Jesus. You've never actually said, I put my hand in your hands. Listen, this is the best insurance policy you can ever have. This is how you live a life where you know I'm in purpose. I'm living with confidence. I have no fear. Before I made that decision, I lived in fear. I used to think one day I could leave home and have an accident and die. I used to think that. But you know, once I I put my life in His hands. And I began to live according to His plan for me because He had a purpose for me. I began to understand, oh my goodness. Because He lives, I can face tomorrow. Because He lives... All fear is gone. I, by the way, that's that's. some of you know that old song. It's actually true. It's actually true. Because I know he holds the future. Life is worth the living because he lives. This is what I began to realize. And I sense that there's some of you who need to make that decision today. I want to give you an opportunity in the presence of your brothers and sisters to get, make that make that prayer. I want to ask you to just raise your hand if this is you. Raise it up boldly and say, Pastor and pray with me because today I want to put my hands into his hands. I don't want to live in fear like the people around me. I want to trust the one who gave me purpose, who created me for purpose. Put my life in his hands and live for the thing he created me for. Whatever you are, just put it up, put it down again, and we're going to pray for you. Anybody who's here, just put it up and put it down again, and we'll pray for you in a minute. Just raise it up wherever you are. At the back, don't worry about the person who's next to you. This is not about being embarrassed. It's not about them. They can't save you. God can, and this is why you're in his presence. Anybody, just raise it up and put it down again. We're going to pray for you in a minute. But anybody who's here, just do that. I don't want to put any pressure on somebody, but who knows that this is your opportunity. We've been saying that through this whole series. I don't have any control of my future. I don't know what happens when I leave this door, whether I have another opportunity or not. But I know that God has control. So I put my hands in His hands. Anybody who's here, just raise it up and then we're going to thank God. Even if you're on the outside, would love to just do that and to pray for you. Anybody who's here, to God be the glory. Anybody who's here, we're going to pray for you. I believe that God is speaking to somebody here. And you're really struggling with this decision. I also believe there's somebody here who gave their lives to Christ a long time ago. And maybe right now you know you're not walking with Him. And as this call is saying, you're saying, can it be for me as well? And I want to pray for you if you're here. I'm going to ask you, you know, I'm going to tell you this. Listen, it didn't work last time. (laughs) But it wasn't God who let you down. And I want to say this. If you will make this decision, our God is faithful. The Bible says, he who began this good work in you, don't worry about whether you have what it takes to finish well. He who began this good work in you, he is faithful to bring it to completion. If you're here, I'm going to ask you to put up your hands as well. And we'd love to pray with you. Anybody who's here, just raise it up real boldly. Raise it up real high. would love to pray with you. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. To God be the glory. Listen, if you're here, you haven't, you'd like to make that prayer. But like I said, we never make any pressure. We never put any pressure. And we often ask people to make, the, to make that decision. And maybe today, you're feeling you want to make that decision, but you, you feel unable for some reason. Maybe you're, you're shy. I'm going to give you an opportunity after this. Walk to any of our prayer counselors and say, pray for me. Because I would like to make that decision. I want to promise you, I made that decision. My life has never been the same. And there are many who are sitting next to you who have made that decision. Their lives have never been the same. And I want to challenge you to make it. Make it today. Come on, let's give the Lord a big hand right now because He's in this place. He's in this place. As we go out of the week, okay, I can see there's a few hands that are coming up now. Some of you kind of like waiting till the last minute. All right, you're there. Let's appreciate those who've just put up their hands. Bless the Lord for them. I thank God for you. Bless the Lord for you. By the way, if you're here, don't worry. It's never too late. You can even put it up after we finish the service. We'll still pray with you. Bless the Lord. Here's what I want to say. As we walk out into this week, Mavuno, as you walk out into this week, I want you to walk out in the light of eternity. I want you to be certain of who you serve. I want you to know that your life is in His hands. I want you to know that nothing will end your life until He says so. I want you to be so confident that you have no fear. You will go to work with courage. When you find people despondent and discouraged, you will say, you know what? God lives so we can do our work and do it well. You will be cheerful. You will not succumb to hate you will not succumb to fear on social media but you will spread a message of goodness and you know why you're gonna do that because he lives i can face tomorrow come on stand to your feet and let's sing this because he lives all fear is gone all fear is gone because i know he holds the future because, because I know oh, oh, He holds the future. future, and life is worth the living. And, and life, life the, just life because He lives. The living just because. Let me sing he that one more time. I want this to go out in your mind. Because He, he lives, is. I can face tomorrow. I, I can face, face tom- tom- because tomorrow because He lives. Because, because he all fear is gone. All, all fear is, is gone. gone. Because I know he holds he a future. Because, because I, I know he holds, he holds my, my future. future. Life is worth the living. And, and life is worth the living. Just because, because he, he lives. Lives. come on, let's be, give a big hand to the Lord right now. We bless you, Lord. We worship you. Father God, I want to bless your children as they go out into the week. In a nation that is filled with fear, in a nation that is filled with people not sure whether tomorrow will be the same, whether things have ended as we know them, Lord Jesus, I thank you because you have set out your people to be a, a light in a dark place. And I thank you because there's a good report that will come out of this church. Even though there may be naysayers out there, there will be people here who spread a good report over this nation. That will say, this nation is blessed. God is still in control. We will be well in Jesus' name. That our lives are in God's hands. That no terrorist can take my life unless God himself allows it. And because of that, I can I can face the future with hope. I pray that, Lord Jesus, you give us such a strength and encouragement. That even when we go to those people who are mourning, we'll go with this message that our God reigns and he is here. And he's able to work all things for the good of those who love him. I pray that today, that this week, there will be such encouragement in this nation. Because of this congregation of Mavuno Church. And I pray that Lord Jesus, out of this awareness of eternity, that a new radical generosity will come out of us. That Lord Jesus, the poor will rejoice because of us. That those people around us will rejoice because of us. That we will live lives that invest for the future. So that when our own time comes, like that that came for many of our citizens, That, Lord, we will go out with joy, knowing we've done what we came here to do. And so I speak blessing to you, Mavuno Church, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And God's people say together, Amen. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. Remember to bring some clothes next week.